0: This week's edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast, is brought to you by the recently updated HTM Podcast Network, online, marks.com. Also brought to you by the Hameen Media Group. Two feeds now for your listening pleasure as we close in on 3 million downloads, hackerhameen.podbean.com and podbean.com. Also available over at the PW Hustle, PW Hustle Networks.podbean.com and syndicated by our friends over at ndpw.com. You can find Destino wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, be it Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple, Google, or iHeartRadio. On today's episode, I'm joined by Mr. John Enright, all the way from the Academy of Star Trek podcast over at the Hamain Media Group to talk about the finals of the G1 Climax. We also have a stardom update as Tag League is now fully underway, so let's go ahead and jump into it. But first, my friends from down under this is knife party
1: you blocked me on facebook uh, and now you're going to die now you're going to die
0: All right, so we are back with your Stardom Report. little pullback behind the curtain. I actually record the Stardom Report after I record the New Japan Talk, because that way I kind of know how long the podcast is going to be. Going to be a quick Stardom Report today, ladies and gentlemen, because me and Mr. Enright, we certainly ran long talking about the G1 Climax. Crazy time going on in Stardom as the Goddess Tag League is now officially underway, and the matches, from what I've seen so far, have been Fantastic. The only problem is, we haven't had the opportunity to see all the matches as of yet, so I'm going to run you through the results of the October 11th show at Shinkiba First Ring, Uh, the first four matches from the October 17th show in Kanazawa, and the Corican show on the 18th, and then we'll discuss some card announcements for the next shows on October 25th in Gunma and the 29th back at Corican Hall. Start off with the October 11th show at Shinkiba First Ring. Tag League action right off the bat. AZM and Momo, the team of Momo AZ. Go figure, right? Defeat the team of Hanan and Saya, the Wing Gori. Supposed to be like Wing Gorilla. I, I I think that's what they're going for anyway. Regardless, AZM and Momo getting the win here to kick off Tag League. Then we have one of the the, the stranger stories going on in Stardom. Uh, as you may remember, Death Yamasan, now a former member of the defunct Tokyo cyber squad, clearly she can't be Death Yamasan anymore, right? So a bunch of the girls from Stars got together, cast a magic spell on Death Yamasan, and now she is Goiken Death, which is happy death. So she's dressed up like a terrifying clown. Yeah, it, it it's a little bit weird. Julia, Micah, and newly added Natsupoy defeat the team of Goykin, Death, Riho, and Rena. Yeah, the this, this spell. We're, we're going to be talking about that. It's It's kind of weird. B and Konami, the Black Widows, defeat the team of Mayu Iwatani and the Starlight Kid, the MK sisters, to kick off their tag team action. And then we have Shiri and Haimika, grab the top, the name of their team, defeating the team of Utami and Saya Kamatami, otherwise known as Aphrodite E. Yeah, the E is capitalized. Not really sure why they do that. Regardless, fantastic first show at Shinkiba First Ring. Really looking forward to the entire tag league if this is how things are going to be set up. Let's go ahead and we'll jump into the October 17th show at Kanazawa. Utami defeats Saya in a singles match. Konami defeats Starlight Kid and Saya Kamatani. And we had a little bit of interaction on the outside between Natsuko Tora and Mayu Iwatani. Maybe that's going to be the feud going forward for Mayu because Mayu really needs something she can sink her teeth into because this title reign, just flat. Julia and Micah, the Team of Crazy Bloom face off with Riho and Goykin Death, the team of Color Me Pop. Yeah, and who would know? Riho and Goykin Death actually get the win here. When I was writing up the run, I even wrote that Crazy Bloom defeated Color Me Pop, but that was not the case. Color Me Pop getting the big win. And we have Goykin Death adding a star to her makeup. Yeah, we're we're actually covering the evolution of Death Yamasan's makeup. That's crazy, crazy times in stardom. And then we have the team of Momo and AZM. Momo AZ defeating the double duo of Natsuka Tora and Saki Kashima. Those are the only four matches as of the time of the recording uploaded from the October 17th show. Results are out there if you choose to go find them. I'm just reporting them as they are uploaded to stardom-world.com. Then on October 18th in and Hall, only the main event been uploaded thus far. Mayu Iwatani defeating Marvelous's Takumi Iro uh, for the Red Belt. Yeah, we've got Mayu defending the title against women from other companies at this point because there's nothing for Mayu to sink her teeth into. But after the matchup, we would finally see a challenger emerge as Utami, the winner of the five-star Grand Prix, stardom's version of the G1, will be challenging Mayu for the Red Belt November 15th at Sun Plaza. Looking forward to that matchup, and it would not surprise me at all to see Utami get that big win. Looking forward, October 25th, the MK Sisters, Mayu and Starlight Kid take on Dream H, Tam Nakano, and Mina Shirakawa. That should be a fantastic match. Very much looking forward to that. And grab the top rope, Siri and Haimika take on Wingori, Saya, and Hanan. October 29th, we have a five way match as Hina, Rina, Saki Kashima, Ryuka, and Death Yama san, or Goikin Death, all facing off in a five way match. That should be a lot of fun. Looking for Saki Kashima to get a big win there. Then we have Wingori versus Dream H, Queen's Quest versus Oedo Tai in a six woman match. Check out this lineup. We have Utami, Momo, and Riho. Riho representing Queen's Quest. Did I miss something here? Taking on the team of Bia Priestley, Konami, and Natsukatora, Toro. Oedo tie for the win in that one. Mika versus Samakamatani for the Future of Stardom Championship. Suri and Natsupoi versus the MK Sisters in a non-tag league match. So Suri and Natsupoi, they don't actually get the name. Julia and Haimika face off as the women of Donna Del Mundo face off for the Wonder of Stardom Championship azm out of these two shows due to school studies recently turned 18 she's got to finish high school it's kind of crazy that that's actually a thing we have to talk about in start. It. so that's going to wrap things up for your quick stardom report this week we'll go ahead and toss it over to the break off their 2007 release this is going to be dazzle vision with not try to fly i'll be back right on the other side with mr john enright to discuss the finals of the g1 climax stick around was dazzle vision kind of a japanese version of paramore I like those guys a lot all right so we're back with mr john and right the dad bod god john Woo. welcome back to destino man how you holding up down there in texas
2: dude i'm going good things have been great uh you know we are apparently texas is better because we're covid free or something i don't know we're doing all kinds of stuff and uh, I did find out for my nonprofit we got renewed for another year, so we got that going on. So man, life has been pretty good. So uh, and then I get to watch some new Japan pro wrestling. Thanks to you. So there's a uh, there's that. So I don't know how I could be happier. So it's a it's kind of a good thing right now. You
0: know, it's crazy because two weeks ago, <clears throat> two episodes ago, whatever it was, I had uh, Jimmy T from. Uh, down in Australia on the show, and they are on like the biggest lockdown known to mankind. And now you know, here I am two weeks later I'm talking with you down in Texas, and it's just like you know, free roam, whatever, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody was talking about look, California lockdown versus Texas lockdown, and, and I mean, it's like the numbers are actually worse in California than they are in Texas, and it's like, it's lockdowns working? But you know, I don't care about that because hey. We're talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. They've got it. Japan got it figured out in front of everybody. Everybody's got it figured out to where they're starting to slowly let foreigners in. They're doing wrestling shows. They're doing all these things. So I'm ready to talk about this stuff, my man. It's going to be good shit.
0: Do you think that American wrestling fans could or would Behave Like the Japanese fans have where like y- y- you go in, you have to keep your social distance. You have to wear a mask. You're not allowed to cheer whatsoever. All you're allowed to do is clap your hands and stomp your feet. And I thought I th- th- kind of the evolution of like the fans figuring things out to like, you know, okay, we have to clap in this rhythm for Sonata versus, you know, this rhythm for Ibushi. And, you know, with juices out here, we stomp our feet and then we clap. Like it's been a progression with the Japanese fans, but do you think American fans even have that capacity in us? Like, I I just I don't see it happening.
2: There's no way in hell American fans can do it. I mean, when I went to the G1 climax in Dallas, there I mean they were just cheering for in random spots, and you know, it it was not like a, a Japanese crowd, which you know, you watch when you watch New Japan, you're used to that Japanese kind of crowd and then leading. And and then when we when I was there, it was just kind of like, no, 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 you don't cheer here. This is not when you do that. And, you know, people are doing I mean, for the most part, it was not a typical American crowd. They weren't trying to get as much of their shit in as they, you know, they do in other places. But still there was those moments where people would. But the being the die hard new japan people there were people who shut that shit down which was pretty cool that you know they would just like no no you're not here to get your stuff in it's this is their time you know so it was there was that but i don't think overall we could do that we're just used to being balls to the wall saying our own shit doing our own thing the crowd is used to you know being part of the show and getting their own shit in you know and so i don't think they could ever relate to that or do something like that because Japanese their culture is about politeness and and that's really in and being aware of your community and that's kind of how that works so they're just better suited for that kind of thing
0: I just when the tournament started I, I was like there's no way this is gonna work there's no way this could possibly work and it worked. I, yeah. I, I was just blown away by the Japanese audience. And it, and it even helped some of the heels. I mean, because Switchblade Jay White and his trying to get fans to chant just so that they get thrown out of the building. I mean, just <laughs> added a whole nother dimension to his character. And we saw other guys start picking up that that kind of feel like even Tanahashi given the air hugs, you know, like it, it yeah. added something to what the ace was doing in this tournament.
2: Yeah, it was incredible to watch their creative, the wrestlers' creativity. And interacting with the crowd in the limited way they could and like you said jay white just being brilliant trying to get them to do stuff and uh, you know all of it just watching each character interact with the crowd knowing that they could they were limited and just still the creativity of it and and making it happen and then the crowd responding you know that was the other half of it the crowd being able to respond and learn like you said we're going to clap like this or do this and and making it work, it just made it so enjoyable to watch because, you know, from a different perspective. You know, you're not hearing the the yelling and the screaming and the whatever, or, you know, I'm, you know I don't watch WWE, but, you know, I did the other day because I guess I was a masochist and I hate myself. <laughs> you know, I turned on Friday Night SmackDown, and I'm like... <laughs> I, it was, I, I think I lasted not even 10 minutes, and I was like, no, I'm, this is off. I can't do it. The Thunderdome, the pipe noise, the this, uh, I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do it. I mean, the product itself is not that great. It's terrible. But you know, then you, you watch it with that entrapment, and it's just like, I can't. I can't because after seeing what a crowd can be, I don't, I can't do it with the other stuff. The. I mean, I've been enjoying the pure tournament stuff more when there's no crowd, you know. Um, it's a that's, different that's, presentation, and it's great. It's great. I like it so much, you know. Um, so I've been enjoying that. And, you know, I mean, even Impact Wrestling has been good. So I, I, I've just been enjoying what's been, they've been creative <coughs> with their stuff during COVID. I feel they've been the most creative out of everybody. So, you know, there's lots to take in that's not WWE.
0: Oh, absolutely. Although it was a little bit weird watching the Japanese audience applaud. What Will Osprey did during the A Block final because they couldn't boo, but they wanted to make noise of some kind. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting dynamic. I don't, I'm not sure that it entirely worked in that scenario, but I, I, I finally got it. I was like, why are they? Cla- oh, they, that, that's all they can do.
2: Yeah, I thought they would at least stomp. You know, there would be like just some kind of like stomping or something when that happened. <clears throat> but I, I don't know. You know, that's the route they went with clapping. And I, like I said, it threw me off. I'm like, are, wait, he's turning heel. Are they like glad for this? Like, and then, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that's all they can that's do. Because I was expecting like just some like stomping or just like, you know, you know, because that's what I think of. When you're like mad, you stomp and you're like, get the fuck out of here. And that's what I was expecting. But right? once again, Japanese are polite, so they're going to do their thing and they're not going to stomp unless they, you know. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been really bad, I guess, or something. I don't know. So,
0: well, let's get into the G1. But first, I gotta tell you that the G1 review is brought to you by StevieRichardsFitness.com, as well as our friends over at Pro Wrestling Tees. Let's face it, 2020 has sucked. But get ready for a brand new you in 2021 by heading over to StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get down with Stevie's yoga program or his resistance band training for pennies on the dollar compared to what some of these other programs are that, let's face it, they just don't work. And while you're online, you might as well head over to ProWrestlingTees.com. Grab yourself some of the gear from Stevie Richards or the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen, the Conspiracy Horseman, and of course, a lot of the New Japan talent. So, John, I, we got to start off the A-block final on Friday and talk yeah. about the brilliance that is Gato's booking. Yeah. Going into this first G1 match, Yujiro versus Jeff Cobb, who in the hell cares? Well, you know who cares? Will Osprey cares. Because yeah. in order for Will Ospreay to stay alive, Yujiro Takahashi had to defeat Jeff Cobb and he did so in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Jeff Cobb finishing four and five with eight points. Yujiro, one and eight with two points. He finally gets a win. This is brilliant. I mean, going into this night, six of these guys, there was a direct outcome on the final match. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Gato is a freaking master. And Yujiro versus Jeff Cobb, a perfect example of that.
2: Hell yeah! I mean, at this point, I trust Gato with everything. I mean, it's it's hard not to. And you know, Big Ball Huge just coming through with the the win, his only win, coming on the last night, and it puts you know you know Will, keeps the Will Ospreay alive for that. I mean. You know and I mean here's here's the other thing I do want to say too the, the match before the Young Lion match man that was a hell of a match for you know Suji to take the win for the C block to be the Young Lion champion. But Gabriel Kidd, that dude fucking showed up. You know, he just continues the shows how smart he was to stay in Japan, just ride it out. And man, I don't I mean I've seen Gabriel Kidd you know when he would back when it was uh, WCPW or, you know, Defiant Wrestling in, in England when that was on YouTube for a while. And I've just been so impressed seeing him from there to now. Man, that dude is going to be a star. He is incredible. And then to ha- turn around and have this match right after it, you know, it was so great to, to watch this match, you know, watch you – I mean <laughs> – Jeff Cobb, I mean, Jesus Christ, there's such a human suplex machine. You know, I think, you know, I think he can officially take that title from Taz, you know, because, I mean, Jeff Cobb just, I love watching him throw people around. It is so good to watch because, you know, he takes care of him, but it still looks like he can mess a dude up, you know, and then, but still, you Yujiro, being that veteran, being that guy, just finds a way to win. And, you know, being that dirty Bullet Club dude just to get that win. And, of course, I don't know about you, but who doesn't love saying pimp juice as your finisher? I mean, (laughs) come on, man. (laughs) Pimp juice for the win. All right. Who doesn't love that, man?
0: You know, it was so funny because during this match, Carly and I were watching this together. And she's like, I just I don't get Yujiro. And I started telling her like the story of Yujiro and how him and Naito came up together as a tag team. And she's like, wait, what? Oh God, <laughs> You know, and it's like y- y- you look at No Limit and where Yujiro is on the card and where Naito is on the card. And it's just like, what? What in the hell happened to Yujiro Takahashi?
2: You know, I think Ujo just knew his place, and he he liked what he was doing. He wants to be that steady hand. He's going I mean, all of his matches, even though he's oh he he's one and eight, all of his matches were compelling. They were all good. Nothing stunk about it. The dude just fucking showed up and worked. And you know I, that that if nothing else makes me really appreciate Ujo. For that reason, you know, he he just showed up and worked and made everybody who walked in that ring. He was the perfect partner for everybody. Sure, it wasn't a night off for some people, but still, it was not a evident night off. Even the Jay White night, you know, I mean, that was brilliant. That was such a great, you know, just match in the way they did it. It was great storytelling. You can't tell me that this dude does not know how to work, and he's fine with that you know to me that's how he comes across is he's fine with where he's at he's likes his gig and he's going to be there for a long time because he's not taking the crazy bumps and he's just going to exactly. keep he's just going to be that steady hand that you need hey i need a good match in order i need to get this guy over. yudrell's got
0: it Udrow might be the smartest guy in the company as you think about it i mean he's oh, yeah. he's getting paid you know he's getting paid exactly he's getting
2: that money that's all he's doing
0: you know On the contrary, we had Shingo Takagi versus Minoru Suzuki. 12 minutes and 29 seconds with Shingo taking the victory. And uh, these two guys had absolutely nothing to do with what would transpire throughout the rest of the night. But you know they don't like each other and Shingo wants that never title back. Shingo finishes four and five with eight points. Suzuki three and six with six points. But nobody cares because we're back to the Shingo and Suzuki feud and everybody loves watching Shingo versus Suzuki. These two guys just love beating each other up and we love to watch them beat each other up.
2: Hell yeah! I mean, this was just this is the content that I was here for. You know, you tell me on night on on night seventeen A Block finals, Shingo versus Suzuki is the last match for their titles. It doesn't mean anything, but it means a bajillion things to these two motherfuckers, and they just went to town on each other. I mean, just and I mean, and the thing about it I loved was you know that Suzuki was telling an arm story, Shingo was selling it, and yet they still got over that because you knew Shingo was going to have to get his rematch for the never open title and Suzuki made him work for it, you know? And I, I mean, I, Suzuki, once again, this is, this G one just showed out how good this dude is. 52 years old runs the G one and puts on a show every night. Him and Shingo great show. All I mean, once again, this, this a block, I mean, not that I didn't like B-Block, but A-Block was just another level. Everybody in A-Block put on a show night after night after night. It was so good. And then just watching these guys go after it. You know, Suzuki keep doing the sleeper and trying to go for the pile driver, And he's working that arm just to make sure he can't do his lariat, you know, Shingo's lariat. But yet he finally does get it, even getting the victory. Shingo gets it at the end. And... You know, and then the, the post-match, I watched the, the post-match. That machine goes like, I got the win, but I'm not happy because he took my finisher, but he's smiling and he got up. And so, like, you know, it's just kind of going. But, I mean, if it's me and I'm I'm dealing with Minoru Suzuki and I got the win, I'm just going to be like, I got the win. Great, I'm getting the fuck out of here because that dude's going to find me and he's going to kill me. So, you know, I, I just, and in, 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 in of course, Suzuki just walks back and he's like... Okay, yeah, I lost, but, you know, I'm good. You know, he's just, like, you can't not love Minoru Suzuki. And I love what you and and Mighty Joe were talking about last week, uh, turning him babyface and maybe getting a last run that way. But the rate he's going, especially with this G1 and his work, I don't see him stopping anytime soon. I don't see how he can you know, just he can just keep going for as long as he wants. And and it'll be I'm here for watching Minoru Suzuki all night long just beat the shit out of people.
0: There is nothing more terrifying in the world of professional wrestling than hearing Minoru Suzuki go, ha 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 ha. ha. It's the most terrifying thing <laughs> on in, <laughs> on the fucking earth, man. Are oh, you like it scares You you just got the ever loving shit kicked out of you, and your response is ha 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 ha! ha.
2: Exactly. And I mean, he takes a chop and I mean, it just does that. I mean, chop resounds, echoes throughout everything, the biggest thing ever. And he just laughs. He wipes his chest and laughs and just, oh my God. And I'm watching it and I'm scared. And I'm watching it knowing I'm like thousands of miles away going, he ain't going to touch me. But still, I'm scared already. And I'm not, uh, I I ain't doing it. I ain't doing
0: it. Have you ever seen Dr. Horrible sing along blog?
2: Yes, yes. yes, At the
0: very, very opening when Neil Patrick Harris lays out that crazy laugh and he says, you know, a lot of folks ignore the laugh. And that's about standards. Like Suzuki took that shit to heart, man. He worked (laughs) on that. Ha 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 ha. It's just every time he does it, I I just I pop every time. Uh I'm like, oh, you're going to die now. He's (laughs) laughing at you.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I love it. I love it. He's so great. I mean, he's so entertaining. And I mean, this next level he's reached is so good. I want I want him to stick around for 10 more years. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's great. Great. Got to love Murder, Grandpa. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get to the big matches. Well, Osprey defeats Kazuchika Okada in 17 minutes and four seconds. At this point, Okada is eliminated and Osprey is still alive. But the much bigger story is... The Empire, which is an awful name for a faction. I completely yep. hate it being a Star Wars nerd, let alone that it's being led by Will Ospreay and evidently B. Priestley and the great, oh, now Khan. We have changed the name from O'Kern to Khan to pay homage to, you know, Genghis Khan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it, I love the story that they're telling here. I'm just, I don't know. Something just doesn't feel like it has enough gusto to me at this point.
2: Yeah. I, you know, it, it. you knew Will had to turn heel at some point, and I think this was a good time. To do it, you we, know?
0: We, we've been talking about it on the show, and I, I know other people have been talking about it, too. Osprey has been a complete douchebag this entire tournament. I Mm -hmm. literally since his first night back in the company, when he grabs the mic and starts telling everybody that he's the best wrestler in the world, like he has been cocky douchebag. I want to punch you in the face. Osprey since he's been back in Japan.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And and I think, you know, it it took that time to really develop that for him. And then, uh, but like I said, it's, I think this is the great time to do it. Obviously, against Okada, he's leaving his stablemates. The storytelling to do it at this point. Um, I find it interesting that you know he does it with his girlfriend B Priestley, who's New Zealand, and then he's got um, you know the great ok- Okarn or Oka with it with him now, and it's like uh, who's Japanese but did his time in England. So like, what's you know. I'm trying to figure out the faction itself and, well, I and, mean, and understand to
0: me, that. It just seems logical that over the course of quarantine, I mean, Will is the current Rev Pro British heavyweight champion. That's where Oka was doing his excursion. So, I mean, you you can trace those routes easily enough that they both come back at the same time. B's inclusion in this... Number one, I absolutely love is somebody who covers stardom as well. Right. But you know now we have B Priestley and Oedo Tai and this other kind of Osprey faction. The Empire, I guess, is what they're going to call it. Which I just I, I don't like that name. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, but I I kind of just wanted Osprey to continue like Oedo Tai. Like I yeah. like just give me Oedo Tai in both New Japan Pro Wrestling. And in stardom, I mean, we we know that they're both owned by Bushi Road at this point. So I, I dig the crossover. I love B coming out in her 08 tie gear. But yeah. like, why doesn't Will just head up, you know, a male faction of Oedo tie in New Japan?
2: You know, and I, and I that's where I struggle with it is we, we see those connections. We have that touch point. Um, but yet it's like they want to keep it. They want to keep separate separate. You know, and even though we know Bushiro, like you said, Bushiro owns both. It's almost like, yeah, but we still kind of want to keep our our, our separate ent- entities and identities and we don't want any crossover. Even though we're kind of crossing over a little bit, we want to make we want to keep them separate. Well, uh, and, but I,
0: I guess what I find curious about it is the timing, because we yeah. know Harold is out at the end of October. We right. have the new president coming in who's been running New Japan of America. I'm wondering if, you know, maybe that was a Herald thing that we wanted to keep both entities separate. And now with the new president coming in, maybe we start seeing more crossover between stardom and New Japan Pro Wrestling.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, um, really, because, um, you know, the guy that runs New Japan America, man, he he did a lot as far as trying to get crossover and, and talent over to the estates and, you know, making sure that all that happens um, with the the American shows and, you know, the all that going on. So, you know, we could. Uh, I'm just interested to see where it goes. Uh I, like you said, the name. I'm gonna have to just kind of, I guess, take that bitter pill and deal with it. But I'm interested to see where Osprey goes. You know, he comes out after the this match and says, you know, I'm done with chaos. You know, Okada, you were holding me down. You know, uh, just the the the. To me, what was impressive was Osprey's just the the emotion that he showed, the bitterness, the anger, as if Okada really had done all of these things and just slided him so badly. I was really impressed that he sold that and really gave me that emotion to believe that. Like, you know what? I kind of understand where he's coming from to where I'm not mad that he's kind of beating the shit out of Okada a little bit. Because, you know, if you look at their run, Okada always kind of treated him like the little brother. You know, who's never going to be able to kind of keep up with me. Uh, and, I mean, up to this point, he was 0-5 against Okada, mm-hmm. you know, coming into this match. So, you know, the the growth that he's had physically as well as, I think, emotionally, I don't think he could have sold this a couple of years ago. But, you know, especially with, I think, the pandemic and the time off and really thinking about how he was going to go with this character I think it's really improved him to where he could really sell this and make this turn and make it meaningful to where it's not just something we throw under the rug like, why the fuck are they doing this? It made it believable. And I kind of didn't feel bad for Okada because I was like, OK, I can kind of see it. you know. So
0: so at this point, I, I think we can agree. We can just pencil in for the dome Kazushka Okada versus Will Ospreay. That's going to happen on one of the nights of, at Wrestle Kingdom.
2: It's got to. It's got to because, you know, um, you know we know that they're going to keep going after each other. And the only way it's going to stop is, is at a Wrestle Kingdom date, you know, whatever night that may be. I see this as a first night maybe uh, fight, uh, you know, because it's uh, – I mean the only reason is if they build it up and just really bring that hatred and heat to each other that you can move it to a second night. But as of right now, I see it as a first night maybe – co-main event or you know coming back right after the intermission maybe of a big match that you're wanting to get the people back into they're going to want to see it and so uh that's kind of where i have it penciled right now but you know they could keep telling i mean right now gato's incredible storyteller so they could keep doing that and i'm good with it i'm good with where they put it
0: we'll talk some more about okada when we get to the uh the final night of the g1 ibushi defeats Tai Chi. 17 minutes and 12 seconds with the Kamagoye, one of the two wrestling moves actually used during this <laughs> match. 158 kicks. Yeah. Um, there are people who loved this match, like myself. There are people who very much dislike this match. Um, sorry about your damn luck. Uh, yeah. Because I, I absolutely love this. This match, even in losing, elevated Tai Chi in a way that none of his four wins ever did. This loss was great for Tai Chi. And Kota Ibushi, I get basically being put at a disadvantage going into the G1 final. So you have that real, true, sympathetic baby face that you want to see triumph at the end. Uh, Ibushi winning also eliminates Osprey, so you get a little bit of happiness from that as well. I thought the booking of this match, the execution of this match, I I got this. I never thought a Tai Chi match would get five stars, but I have this at five stars.
2: It was incredible. I know you kind of told me, "Hey, make sure you check this one out," and I did. I loved it. It was such unique storytelling. You know that they just kicked, they literally kicked each other to death. They just going and going and going and going and going. And I mean, just watching it, you know, the, the hamstring kicks and the boots to the face and just everything that they would do to each other with nothing but kicks. And it told such a good story. I was, because I'm thinking, okay, are they going to do any wrestling moves? They just kind of had me on the edge of my seat wondering what's, what's, What's going to happen? And, you know, when you're about halfway in, you realize they haven't done any wrestling moves and you're watching them. I'm like, OK, cool. They're going to tell a kick story. I want to see this, which leans heavily on Ibushi's kickboxing background, you know, which, you know, he can make those things look so good. And I mean, I mean, let's be honest. There's some of those things, man. They just had to do. They just had to kick each other. And I guarantee you their legs the next day felt like shit. There's oh no way God. there's no way that they did that. And you just got to do it and you got to take it and, you know, tight sheet to take that kind of stuff. Some of those kicks and things and just to keep standing there with Ibushi and that man, it was, it was such a good match. I mean, like you said, I've, n- I've never been a Tai Chi guy, but, man, I was damn impressed with him with this match. And, of course, I mean, who doesn't love Ibushi? You know, good old goofy Ibushi. And yet they told a great story. And with just nothing but kicks and a kamagoya at the end. I loved it. I, I mean, if you don't like this match, then seriously, there's something wrong with you because you must like WWE or something. Because this was such a good match because of the storytelling and the uniqueness it really was it really was
0: never seen anything like it and it's rare that you that you can say that in modern day pro wrestling exactly exactly so going into the final match of the a block you have switchblade jay white is still alive all he has to do is beat tomohiro ishii if ishii can win the match then Kota Ibushi is through to his third final in a row, the first man to pull that off, and that's exactly what happens. Tomohiro Ishii puts down Switchblade Jay White in 24 minutes and 35 seconds. White eliminated as Ibushi wins the A block, both men finishing 6-3 and three with 12 points. Tomohiro Ishii, 4-5 and five for 8 points. Spoiler alert, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to tell you who the MVP of the G1 was. Domhiro Ishii on that short list once again he was just fantastic through this entire tournament but poor Switchblade Jay White he was a mess after this match (laughs) I I, I love him going after Ibushi just immediately like yeah yeah I hope you feel like a winner all it took was me to lose you're not you didn't win anything I lost it it was just fantastic storytelling from Jay
2: (laughs) yeah it really was and I mean God damn. Ishii, you know, he shows out at the G1 every Every year. Every year. I mean, that dude is, I mean, I got to meet him at the G1. I mean, the dude's shorter than I am and he's literally a fireplug, man. I mean, it, it is just incredible to watch, but that dude shows out every year and i mean and this match was just a prime example of this you know fighting from the bottom making sure he had to do what he needed to do this the suplexes and the just the 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 strong style that he epitomizes in this aspect of it and you know being able to overcome the interferences that gato would, would try to throw in there and and even through all of that you know the fact that. Jay White, as we agree, not a fan of as far as, you know, we love his character. But, you know, man, if we can, you know, fuck that Australian, even though he's New Zealand, because that pisses them off even more, as my kid says. You know, (laughs) my kid actually tagged him in an Instagram. He's like, Jay White doing shady Australian shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, my kid, because he's got Instagram now. It was hilarious. We'll we'll have to
0: see if Jimmy T will take in uh, Jay White. Or, or, yeah. or, or if Australia won't even take in switchblade yeah. J White.
2: Yeah. But I mean, the idea that he, you know, Jay White as you said is a great counter wrestler, but Ishi reversing the blade runner and then, you know, at that point and then and of course coming in at the end with the win, it's just and to do it, White basically just you know, he he like you said, he lost it. You know, he lost it. And you wonder if But once again, I love Gato in the storytelling. You know, Ibushi needing someone else to help him. Even though Ibushi's a loner, he needs someone who's in another faction to take on another faction to make it win. You know, this loner who doesn't really kind of adhere to anybody's group is dependent on someone else to get that win for him. You know, it, it was great. I love that aspect of the storytelling, you know, that Ibushi can make it into the finals because of somebody else. So good.
0: And the surprise. I mean, last week's episode of Destino, hell, I even had, you know, Jay holding up the two sweet on the artwork because I thought it was a done deal that Swishblade was winning the A block. He was going to the final. It was going to be Swishblade and Iato at Wrestle Kingdom. And then just the swerve from hell. But, you know, because everybody's pulling for Tomihiro Ishii. We all know that he's the MVP of the G1. I mean, we all know it. We 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 watch the matches, but we also know there's no way he's beaten Switchblade. Come
2: on, yeah, yeah exactly. And yet they did it anyway. And they did because they did it, and they did it so well. That's the thing. It's not like they did it, and it's like, well, we're just gonna try to jam it in. They did it well, and where it believed, it made sense, and it was it was it was not just kind of force fed to you. They did it and caught us all off guard.
0: And as we'll talk about, of course, Switchblade has a plan. It's not like Switchblade loses a whole lot when he loses a match. He's always got a plan. Sure. Let's throw it over to Saturday. The B block, Yoshihashi defeats Toru Yano in six minutes and ten seconds. Two of the surprises of the tournament. I thought both of these guys have played their role very, very well in this tournament. And I hated this match. I just... Like, this, I thought, might be the worst match of the entire tournament for both of these guys. Yoshi Bon Jovi, 2-7 with four points. Yano, 3-6 and on a six-match losing streak with six points. Any thoughts on uh, Yoshi Bon Jovi versus Toru Yano?
2: No, because I I couldn't, like you said, I couldn't stand this match. I hated it. I, I still, yes, was Yoshi Hashi better? Yes. Do I still hate him? Yes. He's still a bag of socks. You know, nobody wants a bag of socks for Christmas. And that's what Yoshihashi is. He is a bag of socks. And I will say, yes, he was improved. He was great. But this was still just... It was horrible. It, like you said, it was the worst match of the G1. Yeah. It, you knew what was going to happen. That's the problem. Uh, you saw the brackets. You knew Toru Yane was going to have to face uh, Yoshihashi at some point, And it was just going to be a train wreck. And that's just what it was. It was, you know, whatever. Okay, I... Sure, they gave Yoshihashi a second win, defeating uh, Toriana, and you know, okay, cool. But I, I just, I, I had nothing for this at all. I, I was not done. Good. Mm-mm. And when you come across, come across the night before with A Block, and just all the matches, all of them were so good, and you start off with this, and it was just like, man, ugh, come on, you know. That was the hard part. Is you had this match and it started off night, you know, this night. It, it, I couldn't, I, I had nothing for it.
0: Only can go uphill from there, but it didn't go very far. As we have Juice Robinson defeating Hiroki Goto, both finishing the tournament four and five with eight points. Um I, I feel like it was kind of a disappointing tournament for both of these guys. I think both of these guys would have much rather finished five and four rather than four and five. Um, Godot at least has a little bit of an out because he's basically being held together with, you know, toothpicks and duct tape at this point. Um Jesus. But Juice Robinson just kind of, you know, shitting himself and cutting hilarious promos backstage. I mean, that was the highlight of his 2020 G1. Um, yeah. both of these guys were just kind of there throughout this tournament.
2: They were. I mean, that's the, juice comes in with the, you know, blues brother look and, and he was entertaining as hell on the mic. You got to give him that. You know, he kept it there. But everything, you know, and and that's where I wonder if, you know, if this is the curse of the B-block, you know, with these two guys. Everybody in A-block was so good, and B-block is trying to keep up, and just I think some of these guys couldn't do it, you know. Uh, I mean, to me, in this match, you know, Juice and Gato they, uh, Godo just looked – I don't know. They kind of looked tired. They looked worn. They looked. They didn't have a snappiness that I'm used to seeing with these guys. It, it just. It, I'm not saying it was a terrible match. It was better than the last match. I mean, you know, I've got it probably around three stars or three and a half, maybe at best, if I'm being generous. But I, I just felt it was lacking something, and and I and it felt like these guys, you know, the B block had. So much more pressure on them because of what A Block was doing the night before Every night and I think it wore on A lot of these guys in B Block really I think That's kind of what the issue was
0: Yep I agree with that Things do go up another notch for your next matchup as the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeats Zack Sabre Jr. in 12 minutes and one second, that eliminating Zack from the tournament. He finishes 5-4 with 10 points. Tanahashi, sub-500, 4-5 with only 8 points, but Tana had some great matches throughout this tournament. He has been an absolute pleasure to watch. So is Zack, really. I mean, Zack has really elevated his game, and of course, the story. That they have told between the Golden Aces and the Dangerous Techers over the course of the summer, plenty of storyline built in here. They even pointed out these two guys were four and four in singles matches coming into this match. So Tanahashi taking the series at least at this point five to four. I love watching these two guys. They just have great chemistry together. I love watching Tana and Zach.
2: They they are they are so good. I mean and I mean really. The, the fact that Tana can keep up with Zach on the technical aspect of it, I think was really, really impressive in that aspect. I mean, you know, this is another guy held together with duct tape and bubble gum and just, he's, he put out a show. I mean, I will agree with you. He was, you know, I would say one of the B block probably standouts on this because, um, you know, every night he was showing up, putting guys over or doing the work he needed to to get over. And, you know, when, but he's that biggest star he's that guy you know i mean he's he's john cena he's he's gonna do what he needs to to make new japan work and make the guy across from him work and of course like you said the history of this was so good and who does i mean of course i love that Tana got the victory over him to kind of make it you know five to four like you said but who doesn't love to see a bitchy Zach Saber Jr.? I mean, that's just you know. Petulant it,
0: child Zach Saber Jr. is the best
2: Zach Saber Jr. He's he's incredible. I love it when he does his petulant child uh, things. And so uh, you know, I'm okay with Tanahashi being sub 500. I think it's just showing more and more, not necessarily his decline, but you know that he's kind of slowly working his way down to be, you know, a New Japan dad a little bit. and um, But he's still competitive. You know, he wasn't a Yujiro. He wasn't a Yoshihashi, and, you know, with zero wins or, or or one win or two wins. He's still competitive. He's still making it work. He's still showing these young guys how to do it and and, and, do, and be good at doing it. And this match, I think, was an example of that, you know? That he matches styles so well with so many different people. You know, we see how he works, and he works with different people, and he does so good with it, meeting their level of, of, of work. You know, with this one, the technical match, you know? Not necessarily known for that. You know, Tanahashi's not, but yet he matched that and showed that he could do that kind of thing. To me, it just makes him one of the best wrestlers in the world, how he can match people and do those things and do it. And he's still doing it at at the age he's at. Hats off to him.
0: Yep. And Tana has definitely started subscribing to that work smarter, not harder. And it's working for him. It's working very well. Kenta defeats Tetsuya Naito, eliminating the double champ from the tournament in 21 minutes and 6 seconds. Naito, 6-3 and three with 12 points. Kenta, 5-4 and four with 10 points. But Kenta don't care. Kenta only wanted to win one match in this entire tournament. He wanted to defeat Tetsuya Naito to earn himself a shot at either the IWGP or IWGP Intercontinental Championships. Hell, maybe even both. This is the only match that Kenta cared about in this tournament. And I, I thought they told a hell of a story here. Not the best match between these two, but you could tell they're saving something for later.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, but it was still a good, even though they were holding back, it was still a good match. You know, there was still that story that they were telling. Um, we know earlier in the year, there was the, the Kenta and Naito were, were going after each other, uh, where Kenta was going after Naito. And, and, uh, you know, uh, with Naito defeating him at, at New Beginning in Osaka, you know, there there was that aspect of it, you know, counting him and then they do that. Um, you know, and I think it was interesting that in this match that um, Naito, he ended up holding the record for the most match time in G1 history with this match. It was very cool to see that, that it was with Kenta, you know, that they did that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, like, like, I think, you know, it was kind of that, feeling each other out kind of thing, just kind of going, okay. It was almost like Naito was trying not to lose, you know? He was doing what he could to win, but not to lose. And whereas Kenta was just like, I'm going to come at you. And it was hard hitting. And it felt like like he, Naito was playing a little defensive just to be safe, to, to see, because he wanted that win. And... And Kinta already had lost. He knew he was out. There was nothing he could do. The only thing he could do was play spoiler and make. And then in turn, you know, so that, you know, I know that traditionally, if you pin the champ, you get a shot at the champ. Um, I'm interested to see how that'll work, you know, because we know with some other things that later happen, what are going to happen. But I'm interested to see how it's going to work because technically he did pin the champ. So is I'm he going to get that guessing,
0: shot? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. That they do that at like a World Tag League final,
2: yeah.
0: I mean that that that's kind of looking at the calendar. That's kind of how I see it playing right now.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's that's probably what they'll do. And and you know, but will he have the U.S. Championship? You know, briefcase because we know. I mean, we'll talk about that later. But you know, will he will he still have that? You know, going forward, and that'll be that'll be the interesting part, I think.
0: First, we got to talk about the battle of brothers. The LIJ brothers, one of the greatest tag teams in IWGP heavyweight tag team history, Evil and Sonata now in opposing corners. Sonata defeats Evil in 27 minutes and one second with the O'Connor bridge. He won the B block with a roll up. I mean, <laughs> both men finish six and three, but of course on the tiebreaker, Sonata takes the block. I was fine with Sonata defeating evil. That, that I kind of wanted Sonata in the final. But like that? Yeah. Really? Like I, I just I felt so underwhelmed, not only by the finish, but really the entire match. It goes 27 minutes. It could have went 17 and I would have been a lot happier.
2: Yeah. You don't go 27 minutes, almost go to the time limit, and and then you do it with a roll-up. I mean, that's just like, it's it's the worst, you know I mean? In you the final
0: match of the block. I exactly.
2: Mean. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, like you said, if they had gone 17 minutes, I'd have been good with that. But this was 27 minutes. You were pushing it. I mean, you needed, you know, something where you have a big move and then you're struggling to get to it. what we saw with Omega and Okada and, and their, their draw where they're just expended. You know, I expected it from this match. I expected, you know, it to be a cat fight. You know, just, you know, claws going and everything. But once again, I've never been an Evil fan, you know, uh, because I think his catchphrase is stupid. And, you know, oh. and I think it's just not a... I don't understand the character. I do like the changes they've made. He's not as cartoony. But still, he's the base Evil, and I, I'm still not there. And, of course, Sonata being the emotionless whatever, I just, I can't, I can't get behind him. I can't, there's no, I can't root for him. I know he's supposedly a baby face in this, but I'm like, I don't care. I really don't care about him. I wanted, like you said, I wanted to see him in the finals just because I can't stand evil. I I never understood the character, but it was like, for me, this was kind of like having to vote Trump or Biden. I I really...
0: (laughs) That's a great description. There's no really, good can, choice here. No,
2: it really wasn't. You know, because I got my boy Koda Bushi in there, and I want to whoever. I hope he just knocks their 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 head off their shoulders with a kamigoye and put it into the upper decks. Wow! But, wow! You know, wow! It
0: just hit me. Does that make Sonata the lesser of two evils? Oh Jesus! You didn't do that.
2: Oh my God. Oh my God. Couldn't help wow. it. It was right there. Hell- it was. It was. Yeah. I, I, know, right I tossed there. that one up for you. That's all right. Hey, we're dads. We can do dad jokes. We're allowed. Fantastic. So, yeah. I, I just, so, I mean, It. this was never going to be a final, uh, you know, the uh, uh, max that I was going to be excited about. I liked where they were going with the story, but when they ended it with a roll up, I just was like, Why? why you've yeah. done such a good job why you know and it was just frustrating for me
0: all right let, let's talk about the g1 final but first we gotta take a break
3: we here at Homi media group proceed to grow exponentially month by month and we could not do it without our army of loyal listeners as well as the absolute best sponsors in the free market today Humming Media is proud to give our 100% guarantee that our sponsors offer the absolute very best in their respective industries. And all of them offer products and services that will be of tremendous value to you. Not able to go to a gym? Or would you rather train at home to improve your health, lower your risk of getting sick, or have the body you always wanted? Then check out Stevie Richards Fitness, the most valuable workout program you can find in 2020 costing just a fraction of what the big companies charge, but with unmatched superior quality at StevieRichardsFitness.com. And after your workout, you'll probably be hungry, but how can you be sure what you're putting in your stomach is a premium quality? We can't speak for other brands, but we can speak of Zordo's olive oil. Does your olive oil at home say ultra premium? Ultra premium is a distinction that olive oil brands can only legally claim if they meet very strict standards and guidelines. Most olive oils cannot meet such rigid requirements, but Zordo's olive oil does. With its imported ultra premium Greek olive oil, taste the difference for yourself at zordosoliveoil.com. And speaking of consuming quality products, it's important to start your day off on the right foot. Don't run it by drinking watered down bean juice. Wake up and have a cup of bro, bro, with the Coffee Brosters—the only place you can get the limited edition Vince Russo coffee organic Nicaraguan fair trade coffee roasted to perfection with notes of milk chocolate and walnut straight from the farm to your coffee mug at thebroasters.com. And of course, you can't profile without style. And what better way to look stylish and support your favorite independent wrestling talent than with some swag from Pro Wrestling Tees. Offering original merchandise for your favorite pro wrestlers you can't find anywhere else and a great way to give back to those who sacrifice their bodies for our entertainment. Check out all the latest and greatest pro wrestling shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. Thank you once again to all of our sponsors as well as our loyal listeners. We cannot do what we do without you, and we are only just getting started. We cannot express our gratitude enough. Thank you, and enjoy the show.
0: All right, man, let's talk about Wrestle Kingdom. Um, During the G1 final, we saw the announcement that Wrestle Kingdom is going to be two nights again this year, and immediately I was like, I hate this! Don't like the idea of a two night Wrestle Kingdom and, and now As I've had a few days to reflect upon This I get it um, I, I Assume what's going to happen here Is they're going to be in the Tokyo Dome It's going to have to be social distance You're going to lose half of Your attendance You're going to lose half of your revenue So we have to run two nights To make up some of that revenue And some of that attendance That part makes sense to me So now I'm hoping that Wrestle Kingdom is formatted like these G1 shows. That they're gonna be six matches on so it'll be a total of twelve matches between the two nights. We're not gonna have to fill out fifteen matches on night one and fifteen matches on night two. It'll just be two two and a half, three hour shows with like six matches on them. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking they're going to do for wrestle kingdom. Now, what do you think of the two night wrestle kingdom?
2: Well, I mean, you know, you knew when they started going two nights, that that's the precedent I was going to be set, you know? So I figured that was coming how they're going to do it. I don't know. Um, Part of me is a little pissed because my goal was to go to Wrestle Kingdom this year. I had actually planned on going to Wrestle Kingdom this year. And so thank you, stupid COVID, for ruining that. And, you know, other things in life are ruining that. Uh, Those other things in life will remain nameless for now because, you know, they don't deserve it. But at the same time, I just, you know, I'm hoping – I'm thinking at the best they'll go four. You know, maybe four hours. They might push it. They might add – you know, they might bring in over a couple of people from New Japan America and maybe have one extra match, maybe seven, make it a four hour show each night, just but still with the crisp, you know, match movement, not a lot of bullshit, not a lot of uh, whatever. But this is then again, this is their wrestle, the WrestleMania. And so they might try to have the New Japan dads on, they might try to do something, you know, six man tags who knows, you know, because they want to get people on. And and so that's where I have to see, you know, if Gato's going to stick to his guns with what he's been doing with this, with these sharp, short matches, you know, getting in, getting out, no extra bullshit that doesn't apply. If he's able to really do that, then great. You know, it'll be a good show. And I think well worth watching. But, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I I... I I have a bad feeling they're going to do we're going to need to get the dads in. We're going to need to do the spectacle because they're running two nights and because they want to make up for some of the other stuff and being able to be in the big stadium and get people in, you know, uh, and let people get their stuff in, you know. But who knows? We'll see.
0: No announcement on New Year's Dash, by the way, which is disappointing because that's my favorite show of the year. And, And last year. New Year's Dash kind of stunk. Like they didn't really do anything because they had to do two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm I'm hoping that's not a trend that we see going forward. It's kind of like the yeah. Raw after Mania, you know? You yeah. need that.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean you have to wonder if that's if that's going to be the case from this point forward, you know? Because uh, Dash was always such a raucous show right after Wrestle Kingdom, and now you do two nights of Wrestle Kingdom and then throw Dash on top of it, and even then Dash was. They they waited till later to announce Dash last year mm-hmm. too because it was you you kind of wondered are they even going to do it if they're doing two nights in, in the Tokyo Dome and so I, and then of course this year with COVID are they going to do it you know because they've done two nights in the Tokyo Dome and just well we're just going to scrap it this year and well, then and, that and the
0: other impressive? thing wasn't it last year or twenty twenty you know it's it seems like last year hell it seems like right. five years ago in twenty twenty oh. time. Yeah. Um, but wasn't that New Year's Dash wasn't at Corican? They, they, they were like feuding with the people that run Corican at that time. And they moved New Year's Dash to some other venue. And it just it didn't even feel the same.
2: Right. Because uh, they Corkin booked other shows because it was like a Noah show or something. Yeah. Noah was going on during that time because they were like, well, you know, We new well, because New New Japan waited on Dash, and they thought Corkin would just be waiting on them. And Corkin's like, "No, we we need to know that we need to have some money coming in here. People are gonna already be here, so they went ahead and booked a show. And so that was the other half of it. You know, I mean, it was almost like New Japan wasn't really thinking. And they're like, "Oh shit, we got Dash. What do we need to do? Okay, let's hurry up and get it, and let's go get Corkin." What do you mean you're booked? You know we always do it after Wrestle Kingdom, and they're like, no, we needed we needed revenue. You guys hadn't said anything, so you know hopefully maybe with some of the changes in implementing and management, maybe that'll start they'll start thinking ahead a little bit on some of these things and keep some of the traditional things like Dash and 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 make it like it was.
0: Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's talk the G1 final. Start things off with your eight-man clusterfuck tag. And then at (laughs) the end, it was just like, oh, wait, there was actually a point to that. I better go back and actually watch that match. Doki, El Desperado, Zack, and Taichi defeat the team of Yano, Yoshi Bon Jovi, Tomihiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto in 10 minutes and 34 seconds. So what was important here? Doki actually makes the pin on Yoshihashi. The... One of the very first times that Doki has ever won a match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now he wants a title shot because he pinned Yoshihashi. So now we're going to see Suzuki Goon going after the six man titles. I was just like, oh shit, I better actually go back and watch this match because I was kind of zoned out. Like, it just. Doki matches have that effect on me,
2: even if it's just an
0: eight man clusterfuck.
2: Yeah. And you know, the funny part was. Uh, I watched the the post match thing on it, and Suzuki Goon was like low key shitting on Doki, like you know, look <laughs> he's never pinned anybody, and they're like, I can't believe y'all lost, him. y'all let Doki pin you. And I mean, I think at the same time though too, we're seeing two different things. We're seeing we're seeing the strengthening of Suzuki Gun into the faction that they are, and we're seeing the crumbling of chaos. You know, because Chaos in the post-match, the other thing, that they're shitting on Doki a little bit, saying, oh, he pinned and da, da 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 And then the only one to come out to challenge him is Ishii, and they go over and Suzuki-gun, and they beat the crap out of him, and they, they go for his bad knee, and they just beat him up, and there's nobody to help Ishii. He's just laid in the hallway, just beaten. And, and and I think we're seeing that. We're seeing chaos crumble and Suzuki just strengthen and become that faction that everybody's gonna go, Oh shit, here we go. You know, these boys are gonna be running roughshod for a little while. And in which, you know, that happens in the in New Japan. We see ra- factions rise and fall. And right now, we see Suzuki Yun is rising and a lot of the other ones are just crumbling as they go. And, you know, it's going to be, I think, Suzuki Yun versus Bullet Club war at some point once Bullet Club gets their civil war figured out and going from forward. So, you know, this was, like you said, it was an eight man, it was whatever. And I kind of laughed that Dukey was the one who pinned Yoshihashi. It just made me laugh because it's like, Yoshi, okay, Yoshihashi's being back to Yoshihashi. And so, uh, but it was the aftermatch stuff that really did it for me. Seeing that, and of course them low key shitting, on was just hilarious.
0: Well, and I I think these two matches kind of go together because then in the next match we would see Hiromu and Shingo defeat the team of Kanemaru and Suzuki. And you talk about you know a Bullet Club civil war. I think we have a Suzuki Goon civil war coming up too. I, I think that we are getting ready for taichi Goon. I it really seems like we're going that way. And I've felt that way ever since Tai Chi pinned Suzuki inside of the G1. But you go back, you talk about that off that that after the match celebration, Tai Chi's kind of the ringleader. Everybody's rallying around Tai Chi and everybody's getting a little bit of swagger to him. And all it all is corresponding with the rise of Tai Chi. I feel like it's coming. And I, I always thought it was gonna be Saber Goon. You know, I, I thought Zack Saber Jr. would take the faction from Minoru Suzuki and continue the legacy, but it's sure starting to feel like it's gonna be Tai Chi to me.
2: Yeah, I and that I think that's what this G1 was, is to kind of set that up. Um, you know, that Tai Chi is the guy, he's he's the heir apparent for the Suzuki Gun crown. And um You know, I think it's, you know, I think it's the most logical choice. You know, like you said, I could see Zack Sabre Jr. He has shades of uh, Minoru Suzuki in him. But I think knowing New Japan and knowing how traditional they are, this is a Japanese faction. They want someone like that ahead. And I think this G1 really elevated Tai Chi to that next level and to show that he can be the leader. He can be the one that they are you know, supporting and rallying around. And it'll be interesting to see how they book that from this point forward, you know, um, because surely, surely Suzuki knows he's got to target his back from his own guys. Gotcha. Surely he can see that. He's got to, you know, he, he's bound to see that. But, you know, who knows? I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, I don't think it'll be a civil war. I think it'll just be a uh, regicide in the sense of, the killing of the king of uh, pro wrestling and turning him babyface and kicking him out of his own group with his own name and uh, and then it become uh, becoming Taiji Goon instead.
0: I, I could actually see that happening as early as Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. On the other hand, we have Hiromu Takahashi and Shingo Takagi. Hiromu pins Kenta in this matchup, and now Hiromu wants the junior tag titles. And my response was. Really? Like, this is what we're going to do with Hiromu heading into the biggest show of the year? We're, we're, we're yeah. going to do Hiromu and Bushi versus Desperado and Kanemaru for the junior tag titles? Really? That's what we're doing? That seems like a missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, really does. I mean, how do you take a guy like Hiromu who is just an incredible single star and, you know, just – I mean – By himself, he runs that junior division. I mean, he's the champ for a reason, and we're gonna put him in a junior tag championship match. What? I mean, it makes no sense to me. You know, unless they're gonna start doing, you know, where he's collecting all the junior belts or something like that, where he does that and then goes after the never titles and the never open weight title. Maybe they start. That's the kind of the goal and the purpose of it. But I just. I want to see him in singles action unless it's them trying to protect him because he's such a knucklehead and does such stupid shit in the ring that they're trying to protect him. That's the only other thing I can think of is they're like, we're doing this for your own good, you know, because you're a knucklehead. And we can't trust you in the ring because you do stupid shit all the time. And we want you to last to be 30 uh, or however old he is. We want you to see the next you know, year without being in a wheelchair, you know, that's my only thought in it because God, he's such a character, you know, but that's my only thought on that.
0: Well, you you forget he's the former champion. You know, he no longer has that title. Currently the IWGP junior champion is Taija Ishimori, who we would see in the next match tag up with Gato, Kenta and switchblade Jay White. Only to lose to Hiroshi Tanahashi, Master Freakin' Wado, Jeff Cobb, and Juice Robinson. And m- when I saw this on paper, my immediate thought was, "Oh God, no! Oh, oh God! Master Wado is going to win the Best of the Super Juniors and challenge Taiji Ishimori at Wrestle Kingdom for the Junior Title." Oh yeah. God!
2: Don't do oh, that! God. Don't no, do no, that! No no. no, no. Well, once again, Gato shows that he's not that crazy. He's not that crazy. He just shows us that, you know. And, I mean, once again, this is one of those where I I watched this match and I struggled with it because it's like, all right, you got Bullet Club, J.Y., Gato, Taiji Shimori and Kenta. All these guys were all, you know, except for Gato, but they, all three of the other guys were kind of in quarantine in America together. How is it that they lose to a put-together team of, Tanahashi, Wado, Cobb, and Juice. You know that's kind of was my struggle with it um, because in all actuality, the, this should have been it should have gone the other way. You know, really, uh, I, I didn't understand some of the storytelling in this. You know, it, it seemed like we had Super Tanahashi. You know, just kind of willing everything to happen. And um, I mean, I'm not taking anything from Juice and 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 uh, Cobb because they're good. They're good hands. But, you know, in actuality, if you look at it on paper, when you factor in that you have a faction team going against against just New Japan guys who don't work together, it should not have been the way it did. But the reason why they did it is because they teased the whole Kenta, uh, Tanahashi want to go after Kenta's briefcase. And I so I see where they were doing that because, you know, it's how do you... They're building that seat of maybe we can get that briefcase off of kenta so that he can go fight naito without having the the, so then it wouldn't be well maybe he could win because he doesn't have that briefcase and so now he really wants to get the double champ back and you know and so we're seeing that maybe that's the storytelling they're working with to get but they have to get him somewhere and who would be that person And I thought it was interesting that Tanahashi would be the one. You know, I would have thought maybe a Juice or a Cobb. I think Cobb would have been cool, but we know that they they fought in in the New Japan um, America series. Um, So I found that interesting that they didn't go with Juice, but they went with Tanahashi in this too. Uh, To me, that elevates that title, you know. Um, And I, once again, because Tanahashi is such a good wrestler, I would I would be interested to see a moxley Tamahashi match because I don't think we'd ever see anything like that, and it would be very interesting to see him match Moxley's style of wrestling.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I'm down to see that match. Absolutely. Yeah. In the interest of Gato tying one match together with the next match because his storytelling is brilliant, we go to Will Osprey and the Great Okan defeating the team of Sho and Kazuchika Okada in 12 minutes and 36 seconds. And you may wonder, what does Osprey and Okan have to do with Sho and Okada and Tanahashi and Wado and Cobb and Juice and Kato and Ishimori and Kenta and White? Well, I kind of got to thinking about potential members for the Empire because it's going to be more than just, you know, Osprey and the Great Okan. And the first name that comes to mind for me is Juice Robinson. We know mm-hmm. that Juice was also on quarantine with Will Ospreay and B Priestley, and his girlfriend, Tony Storm, is B Priestley's best friend. Mm-hmm. Juice needs repackaged. Juice needs to quit shitting himself in the middle of the ring. He needs to quit wearing the Blues Brothers thing. Let's turn Juice heel and see if we can actually do something with Juice Robinson.
2: Yeah, that's you know that that would be interesting. You know, I I hadn't thought about that aspect of it, and I would I would love to see a juice heel turn. You know, and turning that right hand of God, where he loads it up, he puts maybe a glove that's loaded, and he's you know he's using his you know using that punch to just cheat and get people knocked out. Um, I think it would be a great you know uh, thing for him. You know, just to kind of make him a little bit more. You know, I, I think too, it would make it more badass and it would calm him down, I think a little bit. I think Juice is fun, but you can't take him seriously because he's so over-the-top fun and with his promos. I love his promos, don't get me wrong, but I want to see him kind of calm down and more badass and giving those promos as a as a heel and to see what he could do with something like that. Because he's shown his creativity as a babyface. Let's see the heel aspect of uh, Juice and it, pairing pairing him with Priestley and Osprey and the and uh, Ocon I think would be good. You know I think that you'd you'd have some unique dynamics there with all of those people right now in that group. You know who says that though Osprey doesn't kind of bring Show to his side since Show is uh, uh, a single guy too. I was looking at this match of does he kind of once again we see Chaos is crumbling. Does he get show to come join him? You know, because uh, you know show, you know was it on extensive uh, excursion? They they kind of met each other in ROH for a while. You know, so there's some connection there, uh, and so maybe show's the guy. You know, Osprey, because once again, show being a junior has, you know, been held down by Okada. You know, he wants to be more than just a junior. Um, he showed that in, you know, the new Japan cup and Okada won't let him. And Osprey's like, you come with me and you can do whatever you want. And maybe he gets showed to join the empire and they, they become a part of that faction, you know? So. A
0: couple other names to throw at you that I've thought for, uh, the empire. Carl Fredericks. Carl Fredericks is currently uh, dating Jamie Hayter, who is B Priestley's regular tag team partner at Stardom. Mm -hmm. So you have a connection there. I think that could be a a great introduction for Fredericks to the uh, New Japan roster now that he has graduated from Young Lion status. And speaking of young lions, you know, by my watch, being stuck in Japan for a global pandemic and working 19 G one shows qualifies as an excursion. Let's go ahead. Let's promote Gabriel kid and let's put him in the faction with Osprey as well.
2: Hell yeah. I'm good for that. I am so good for that. I want to, I think Gabriel kid is a logical choice you know, he worked with Osprey in England before at WCPW at Defiant with Osprey's uh, organization over there when he ran it. Yeah, you know, there's a deep connection there with those two. Uh, I don't see Carl Fredericks doing it because he's specifically come out and said he, he doesn't want to be a part of a faction because he's that alpha male kind of yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But Switchblade but, said that, too, and then he joined Chaos and then he broke up and like yeah. left with Chaos and joined the Bullet Club all within a span of about three weeks.
2: Right. You know, and I mean, I say that whenever creative, you know, has something for you and, you know, they're going to pay you to do it, you're going to change your tune. Well, and and
0: like that lone wolf shit is great, right? When you're in the United States, but when you're in Japan, as many tag matches as you get stuck working inside of the new Japan style, it's kind of beneficial to have some friends. The whole lone wolf thing doesn't work very well
2: right exactly but i think i think the logical most logical choice is gabriel kid i think he's proven that he can do the work he put on such good matches with uh with you know the other young lions and i mean to me he was the standout of the three even though he didn't win the cup i think he was the standout of him he just proved he belonged he put in the work and i think once again the idea that new japan's going to hold him down well osprey says well, come with me we'll let you do what you need to do you're done with that young lion shit come be with us you know you're you're, on, yeah. you're you're a star you're you I know the work you've put in before you even came here you don't even need to be doing that shit anymore you need to come join us you know i could see osprey doing that and making him join and 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 just making that opportunity for him i dig it
0: Evil and Yujiro defeat the team of Naito and Bushi in 14 minutes and 14 seconds. Just building more heat between Evil and Naito and the feud that seems like it's never going to end. And then we get to your G1 final. Kota Ibushi defeats Sonata in 35 minutes and 12 seconds to win back-to-back G1s. Uh, Kota Ibushi is just... He's a god amongst men. I mean, the things that he does in a professional wrestling ring are just incredible. And Sonata, while sometimes Sonata looks like he's really, really good, and sometimes you get sloppy Sonata. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of sloppy Sonata inside of this match. I would love to see him clean it up, and I'm going to go ahead and call it now. Sonata is now my favorite to win the 2021 G1 Climax. Mm,
2: i i can't see it i really can't once again i it's one i think he's got so much going against him his if he does he's gonna have to change his character to get people really behind him and i think two, you know it's it's that him and ibushi both you know this is the the thing that's interesting about this is they're both non you know in this i can't remember the last time we had non dojo New Japan wrestlers in a final For the G1 But you know what's
0: hilarious about that Is they were both non-Japan Non-New Japan talents, right? Right But for completely different reasons Mm -hmm. Like, New Japan really, really wanted Kota Ibushi, and Kota (laughs) Ibushi was like Meh, I'm good
1: Yeah And Sonata
0: really, really wanted to go to the New Japan dojo And New Japan was like Eh, we're good (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Which is the interesting the, the paths they took to get here, but I think too, you know, I love just the story. You know, Kota Bushi and his storytelling. You know, coming in with the rap leg. You know, of having to deal with, you know, oh God, my leg from Tai Chi, and then I've got to face Sonata. You know, and and just you know building that baby face. You know, just love. You know, people. Just making him love him even more, and uh, right now I I can't see him doing any wrong storytelling in the ring. You know, he's so good. Even I mean, to me, he made Sonata look better in this match. He really did. Oh, agreed. And you know, I mean, you know, Sonata has been a middle of the road guy, and if anything, Ibushi made him look better. Even like you said, we had some sloppy Sonata in here, but. Ibushi made it work, and he made that guy look good. And that's the problem, is Sonata can't do that with other people, and he can't, you know, he's dependent on other people to raise his level. And so that's how I see it. it's it's hard for him to be the G1 champ next year unless he starts going to that next level where he can start raising the game of other people in the ring rather than them bringing him up to it, you know? And so... And, and that's that's the thing, is Ibushi is a god because he did that. He did that with everybody in this tournament. And it just once again showed A block's superiority over B block. And I think, you know, that's really what this story was, was that, yeah, they went 35 minutes, but it was the fact that a blocks storytelling their work and everything was way better and over the top over B blocks. And and unfortunately, I think we knew that when we saw the brackets when they first came out.
0: So Ibushi wins the tournament, has his little celebration, goes backstage, he's getting ready to enjoy an ice cold Zima. And up walks Switchblade J White to congratulate Kota Ibushi on winning the G1 climax and to inform him. That he didn't actually win anything because you haven't beat me. Switchblade is just... God, he is just so dirty and Mm -hmm. grimy and knife pervert and, you know, like impersonation Captain Jack. And, I mean, he's just... Oh, he's awful. Kota Ibushi... I don't have any idea what he said to switch by Jay White, but just the facial expressions and him grabbing Jay White Azima and offering him a chair to sit down was absolutely freaking hilarious. One thing I did get out of Ibushi was "kunpai," which is cheers. Yeah, uh, I, Ibushi just selling Jay White. Like I don't even know if Ibushi understood what Jay White was saying, but the yeah. way that he sold it was just freaking magnificent.
2: Yeah, how can you not love Ibushi? He's just that that goofy guy that you love, and I mean, but does the work, and then outside of the ring, you just gotta like, and I mean, and the the funny part is is that. I think that's how he is in life. Cause I've seen so many interviews where Kenny Omega's talked about, well, yeah, I had to kind of walk him through traveling in the airports or I had to walk him through how to get through. Cause he just, and he's, Kenny's a weird guy. Oh yeah. but like, Kenny and, uh,
0: is like one of the weirdest people on the face of the planet. And he was the normal one with him and Abushi.
2: Exactly. He's having to be the babysitter and make sure he gets to his places. And I'm like, Good Lord, you know, I mean, this guy just loves wrestling and nothing. He has not a care in the world for anything else. He just wants to wrestle and everything else is kind of whatever. And, I mean, I kind of love it. He's got that kind of boyish charm, kind of, you know, ultimate baby face kind of just thing about him. And I think it's because that's how he views life and that how that's how he does it. He's not concerned about anything else other than wrestling and and telling good wrestling stories. And that's his focus. So, Oh, like I don't would be surprised if he didn't pay bills just because he forgot that bills are due, you know, because he's just focused on the wrestling. I,
0: when I was at all in, um, before AEW launched when they were just doing that big, like independent WrestleMania show Mm -hmm. in Chicago, And the moment of that show, at least in my mind's eye, there's a moment in the main event where both teams tag. And you see Rey Mysterio on one side of the ring and Kota Ibushi on the other. And there was this weird hush that kind of fell over the crowd. And there was like, you know, 10,000 people all of a sudden went, oh, my God, this is going to (laughs) happen. Like, like we didn't even consider the possibility that Rey Mysterio and Kota Ibushi could be in the same wrestling ring, like, you know, a few feet in front of us. It never crossed one person in that crowd's mind. And then when it happened, it was just like this e- giant eruption of sound. Best moment of that entire show. Incredible. Oh, wow.
2: I would have have loved to have been there for that. that. That would have been amazing. Incredible.
0: So here's what we've got coming up now, coming out of the G1. Power Struggle is happening on November 7th. That's the next big show. We have the Road to Power Struggle, which is happening October 23rd, 24th, 25th, 28th, 29th, 31st, November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 5th. That is a lot of minor shows that you don't necessarily need to watch. What you do need to watch is November 7th. It's going down Evil versus Tetsuya Naito for the double titles, Kota Ibushi versus Switchblade J White for the contract to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Kenta versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the United States Briefcase. Okada versus the Great Okan because if you're gonna get to Osprey, you gotta go through Okan first. Mm-hmm. Suzuki versus Shingo for the never open championship, and in what might might become the match of the year. Toru Yano faces off with Zack Saber Jr. for the King of Pro Wrestling title. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Um, so I, I'm I'm very interested in uh, in power struggle. That's a sick card for power struggle. They're giving away matches. I thought they were gonna put off till the dome.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a good card. I mean, e- even the Yano Z- uh, Zach Saber Junior match. It- it's gonna be. I mean, I kind of want to see that because if nothing else, to we know Yano can do the technical. It you depends know,
0: he, what the step's going to be, too.
2: True. And then we're, we're going to have a stip. We know that. So um, but I'm interested in seeing that, you know, it's going to be creative and fun. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But all those matches, you know, are just huge matches. I think, you know, I think, you know, I'd be interested to see Kenta drop the U.S. You know, title uh, title contract. I think that would be interesting. I think everything else is going to stay the same but I would be interested to see that, to see Tanahashi versus Moxley. And that gives Ken to that freedom to maybe challenge Naito for the next, you know, big show to he's unencumbered with the contract and his, so now his focus is those two titles and he's going to try to take those away from, him. or if nothing else, if he doesn't get them, he's going to hurt him so that when he gets to the dome, it's going to be a struggle. So he has that babyface moment, but, then it's going to be babyface versus babyface with Kota, and I mean I don't think Naito can out babyface Kota.
0: I don't think it's a given that Kota Ibushi walks out of here with the Wrestle Kingdom contract. Really? Um, Switchblade Jay White versus Tetsuya Naito in the Tokyo Dome. That seems like a a, a pretty uh, a good story that you could tell there. True. Sure. Same with Ibushi. But there's two nights of Wrestle Kingdom.
2: Mm.
0: I almost wonder, could you just have these two guys go to a draw, and have True. Switchblade challenge Naito Night One and Abushi challenge Naito Night Two?
2: Could be. Or hey, how about this? Let's say Jay White gets the contract. Let's say he then says, "I'm going to fight Naito, but I'm only I'm only fighting for the heavyweight title." the iwgp heavyweight title and this is a way they can get that double belt separated using the contract to say hey i only want to fight for this and then that way they can go another night say okay that'll be the so naito has to wrestle one night for the intercontinental title against whoever they decide and then you know, they can use the road twos up to that to determine, have a tournament, determine who's going to fight and for that, but then he has to wrestle another night. Jay White being that smarmy heel, making him work the night before where Jay doesn't have to do it, and then the next night, after having defended for the Intercontinental, he has to defend for the heavyweight title. The, I could see something like that even happening and, because that's who Jay White is as a wrestler.
0: Although I do think what is actually more likely is Kota Ibushi defeats Switchblade Jay White and we end up with Switchblade Jay White versus Evil inside of the Tokyo Dome. The the problem that I have there that's going to turn Switchblade babyface mm-hmm. and I I don't think you want to do that at this point. I mean, I, I I there is a time, there is a place where I think Jay White can be a babyface, but now is not that time. He is too hot as a heel.
2: Yeah. And that's why I was thinking of going the route that I laid out, because you I could see it Jay White fighting Naito the second night, beating him for the heavyweight title, Bullet Club comes out, and then evil just smacks him and and you know, the the civil war starts. You know, you got maybe Tama and them come back and they're on Jay's side. You got Fale, you got some of the more foreign faction guys who are gonna be a part of that and you've got the japanese guys who are on evil side and they're going for that and you got guys in the middle like yujiro and kenta you know kenta's kind of got you know u.s ties and yujiro's always kind of been with tama and the rest of those guys How do you, he's kind of stuck in the middle and figuring out how to do that. I think then you have a year's worth of storytelling with Bullet Club Civil War, or at least half a year from that point forward from Wrestle Kingdom to ignite that, you know, feud.
0: Well, I also think that it's very possible that come World Tag League, that you see a couple of good brothers make their return to Japan. So who knows where they're going to fall inside of the entire Bullet Club Civil War as well.
2: True, you know, especially when you have GOD who's always who's been there and then the good brothers show up and the good brothers when they were there were kind of, hey, we're the over ones, GOD, you kind of take a back seat. Now, GOD is like, no, we run the show now. You guys left. We've been carrying the torch. You got a you got a feud right there between, you know, some OG members right there with Machine Gun and uh, Tama and uh you know, go in that route. So that I mean, could be could the tell.
0: tag league final.
2: That would be amazing to see something like that. I think. I think that's some good storytelling right there too.
0: Because I mean, the, then the winners will go on to face tai Chi and Zach inside the dome.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, but you have to wonder if, like, um, that's when we start seeing some of the more the divisiveness in the Civil War Bullet Club, Bullet Club Civil War. Because you know, I could see where whoever lost ends up screwing the other guy over in Wrestle Kingdom. And and then it just just continues to fracture from there. You know? I wonder so, if we
0: don't see evil somehow cost Swishblade Jay White that match with Ibushi.
2: Yeah, we we could even see that. I think maybe. You know, those are those are all possibilities. I mean, that's the thing right now. Coming out of G1, there are so many possibilities story wise that Gato has left open. You know, he can tell some great stories from this point forward, and it only sets it up, sets it up better. For what we can do. I mean, we're throwing out some good ideas right here. I mean, hey, New Japan, we're available. You can hire us. Yeah, <coughs> Hala, Hala. We we, we Hala, could be boy. the new J- Gato and Jado. Hey, I'm down for it. You know, I'm definitely got the uh, width for uh, Gato for sure. So, uh, <coughs> but the storytelling that we throw out some scenarios, and then with their you know knowledge of storytelling, man, who knows where they can go, right? All
0: right, so let's talk about MVP. I think the I think the unanimous MVP has to be Tomahiro
2: Ishii, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to take what he did in B Block and to make it just relevant, the work he put in because he was working underneath. B Block was not the same level as A Block. You know, people are like, "Well, my, this person from A," you know, you got to take A Block out of it because they were all good. You knew that their work rate was going in, that they were doing the work, even you, Drew. Ishii was just on another level on B-Block. Every match he had was good, and he was putting people over. And that's what he does. He comes to G1, he shows out every year, he makes people recognize him, and recognize the work that he does. I mean, that dude is the hardest worker in New Japan, making people look so damn good. And that's the problem. Is, man, that dude deserves a title of some sort. He, he deserves the recognition that he's not getting. I mean, really, people need to put some respect on that man's name. That man just made B-Block tolerable. You know, really, if you compare it to some of the other things that they did with some of the other matches, he was the savior of B-Block at the end of the story. There's no question about it.
0: My match of the tournament, Hiroki Goto versus Toru Yano, 18 seconds. The greatest (laughs) wrestling match in the history of wrestling matches. and People think I'm joking, but I'm telling you, if if you were going into a legit fight against somebody like Toru Yano, you would have played that exactly like Hiroki Goto did. You would club that motherfucker in the back of the head, put on the best pinning combination that you know, and get the hell out of there.
2: Yeah. That's a
0: perfect match.
2: It really is. I mean, if you stop, if you truly dislike someone, if you're in a fight, you know that's that's some of the things we hear. Hamina, you know, these guys that we talk about who break it down is like, you get into a fight, you don't do wrestling moves. You go and you punch, you kick, you do whatever because you're trying to hurt that person. And that's what he did. He didn't want to mess around. He came in, he clubbed him, and he pinned him. And that's 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 good psychology right there. And and why not go that route, you know? And I mean, once again. Shows Gato having balls of, hey, we're going to do an 18-second G1 Climax match. I mean, that takes some serious balls to be saying, for our marquee tournament, we're going to do that. And we're going to tell a story, and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's not because we're fucking around or we just need to get this over with or we're out of time. It's a, it, there was a purpose behind it, and that was the important part, is he recognized the purpose, he executed it, and he, and he told a ballsy story of 18 seconds in a G1. I don't think there's ever been anything that short in a no, G1 before. No,
0: you no. Know? The record prior to that was double it. It was 36 seconds.
2: Yeah. So, so hey, clapping – I, I can't disagree with that um, I, you know because how do you sit down and measure some of the work rates on these things and, and I mean there was a ton of good matches but to me that one I, I, I would I know it sounds silly but that one just really told a good story and was unique. I mean I think my second would be have to be Ibushi Tai Chi with the kicks. You know, I mean, if I'm gonna, if I'm, we're gonna take a match that went, you know, a match length uh, that was decent. I think that was my second one because it was such. Once again, ballsy storytelling. You know, I think those the matches that stood out to me in this G1 were the ballsy storytelling matches, and that was one. You know, we're gonna do 157. I think he said kicks, and we're gonna tell a story with two wrestling moves, and that's it. And this is the story we're telling, and it's going to be awesome and believable, and it's going to be such great storytelling, and both guys are going to get elevated for it. You know, that was the other thing is both guys were elevated with that story, and they did nothing but kicks, nothing but kicks. And, you know, to me, that's number two. That's number two for me.
0: I have that one third, which, but I, I can absolutely make a case for it being number two. My number two was, for all the reasons that you just said about Kota Ibushi versus Taichi, I can also apply that to Kota Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki. Mm. I thought that matchup and, and just the presentation of the kickboxer versus the MMA fighter, it felt like a pan fight more than it actually mm-hmm. felt like a pro wrestling match. I absolutely love that match, too.
2: Yeah, I, that that was my number three you know to be honest with you Jared. I mean but like you said you could you can flip-flop those all day long you know yeah. they were so good and, and I mean and I think that tells you something if Bushi's in your top three you know if he's two of your top three right I mean really he, he just you know everybody a block but him especially they put on some great stuff and you know I I love, I love Suzuki, you know, he's just one of my favorites, so seeing that match, you know, it was so good, And I've, but for me, it was a good story, like you said, it was a Pancras match, but the uniqueness of the Tai Chi match is what put it over for me a little bit to make it number two. But, man, if you wanted to argue with me on that, I would be like, okay, cool. We could make that number two right. or vice versa. Exactly. Then I could go back to like, no, well, you know, let me go back to this one. You know, it's kind of like picking between your children. You know, you, you just don't want to do it. So you just kind of flip-flop them every now and then.
0: Yep, absolutely. My promo of the tournament goes to Zack Sabre Jr. for his promo on Toru Yano after the mashup. In case you forgot the promo, goes like this.
1: First of all, I want to dedicate this. Victory to my Lord and Savior, Lord Tai Chi. I know that he's always looking down on me. Well, looking at me via Nuncham World. Mm. That's a very tough fight. A very tough fight. But that's what that's what you got to expect from the G1. Tough fights, you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. Hey, listen up. You know. Uh, yeah, tomorrow's a new day. Fresh start. Yeah. You know, a win's a win. Two points. It's two points, and that's what counts. Mm. Yeah, you know, hats off to my opponent tonight. You know, he's a very skilled, high-level athlete. That's a hell of a performance. Credit where credit's due. You know, you put, I don't know, what do you reckon? A thousand percent into that. I had to dig deep. I had to dig deep. You know, it's blood, sweat, and tears that gets you a victory. Gets you a victory, you know? I'm after that W, that big win. That big win. You know. Go keep keep the momentum rolling. You know, you can't get complacent. You can't get complacent. Yeah, high level. I mean everyone's of a high level. You know. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. You know. And as the saying goes. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, it's very important as a professional wrestler to not only learn from your losses, but especially to learn from your victories. And today, you know what I learned from this victory? That Yano is an idiot! What is that cretting doing in this tournament? What a joke! It's supposed to be the G1!
0: Honorable mention also went to Juice Robinson for he punched me in the penis. That, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the <laughs> delivery of that line was just... It, it was so great. He punched yeah. me in the penis!
2: Penis! Oh but, my God. But, but that
0: Zach promo is just... Yeah. That, that, that is a minute and a half of pure and utter absolute gold that sounds like every single one of Russell Wilson's postgame
2: press conferences. Yeah, yeah no, I would agree I mean, with that. I would agree with that. So good. so good. Oh, good stuff. Good
0: stuff. John, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on to do this show today. I know you got some stuff that you want to plug, and, and then, of course, we, we've got a couple of issues that we have to address. So, but, but, but go Ooh. ahead and do your plugs.
2: Okay, okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna get the uh, the good plugs out of the way. So, um, if you need to, you know, like I said, I work for a nonprofit here in Weatherford, Texas, helping victims of abuse. So, if you need, uh, October is actually Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, so, we're about halfway through our campaign of making people aware of domestic violence. So, uh, make sure if you don't know that, just seek out your shelters in your area to get that information. It's staggering the numbers that, um, uh, we're dealing with because I run our social media and putting stuff out on a regular basis. The the epidemic that we have in this country for domestic violence is shocking of what's reported. That's the, the bad part is we're only seeing what's reported. So I work for Freedom House. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you type us in, Freedom House and Weatherford, Texas. You can follow our pages there. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter as Men and, uh, and you also now um, – you can find me thanks to people like Mr. Jargo, the nerd, of the nerd at people allow me on their podcast. I'm now on a podcast with uh triple D Demetrius Zordos. Um, we are a star Trek podcast. We call ourselves the Academy, um, educating everybody on what there is on star Trek and all that goodness that there is. And, uh, here on the Hami media group, we, uh, uh, we do uh, our show. We just actually recorded today a good episode talking about triples. And so um, and then we're g- with Discovery starting up. We're going to start that our next recording. We're going to cover the first two episodes of Discovery season three, which just hit. So you can find us uh, on Twitter at uh, Academy HGHMG. You can find us on Facebook. The Academy with Triple D and JDE. And you can email the show, uh, AcademyHMG at Yahoo.com. And if you have any Star Trek questions, needs, wants, or topics you want to talk about, you can hit us up for that.
0: Hey, I I have a Star Trek question for you.
2: Uh, Okay.
0: Why the fuck would somebody watch fucking Star Trek when you could just go watch fucking Star Wars, man? Come the fuck on. You goddamn Trekkies trying to take over the goddamn podcasting platforms and shit. I am not going to stand for this. You are a friend of mine, but I have to admit, John, I have to admit, I lost some respect for you when I found out that you were hosting a fucking Star Trek
2: podcast. What the fuck? Well, you know, pays the bills. And it does the things I need to. And not that I don't love Star Wars, but there's more. Let's, let's be honest. There Star Trek be has been around. you only one. Well, man, uh, I, I, I don't agree to that statement. But if we're <laughs> going to be honest, Star Trek has been around since 1967. So, they've been around longer. They've been telling better stories longer. Oh, let's not get carried uh, away. Let's not get carried better
0: stories. You got a bunch of nerds lost in space, floating around, not really doing anything. Like, what is the objective? What is the end game?
2: Ah, that's the good thing. Actually, as a matter of fact, Lower Decks, which is the, I guess, uh, what you would call Rick and Morty-stylized uh, Star Trek cartoon that just finished season one, they kind of address some of those things in a, <laughs> in a very funny way. Uh, talking about how sometimes Star, uh, Starfleet is good at setting up things, but not really observing things. And, uh, you know, so they do address some of that stuff, it's good, but, uh, you know, the fact that you're able to tell a story of humanity and the possibility of future which we know that it can never happen the way we're going right now with the fact that people are punching each other in the dick over their presidential choices punch me
0: in the penis
2: punch me in the (laughs) penis with our presidential choices i mean come on you know if that little thing triggers you where you want to do that to people i mean i i just i don't know it makes me hope for a better future the, with when I watch it, rather than dealing with some of the crap that we have to on
0: a daily basis in the world. So I, just, I can't. I can't Let well, I me mean some Star Wars, but I can't. I can't. But at least we have New Japan Pro Wrestling. Thanks so much. Thank man. God. This was this was great. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: That's going to wrap things up for another edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then toss us one of those five star reviews. Help us out in the algos. Destino is brought to you by our friends over at the HDM Podcast Network, Hami Media Group, the PW Hustle Network, and IndyPW.com. Find the show online at DestinoPod.com and across all social media platforms at DestinoPod. Very special thanks to Mr. John Enright for joining me this week with all these smaller shows coming up. It's probably going to be a couple of weeks before the next episode, so now is a great time to go back on NJPW World or Stardom World and find all the matches that we've been talking about and get ready for Power Struggle on November 7th. Until then... Find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, be it Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or iHeartRadio. Enjoy the break, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be back in your ear holes very, very soon. We'll talk to you next time. Watch your
1: fingers. Label me.
0: I don't give up. I'll be your back
3: Driping the blame on me! I smell self-righteousness! That's
1: the bad guy! Go! Oh.
3: You'll be the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's righteous.
0: the bad guy Go!
3: Are you interested in joining our elite roster of sponsors? From now through the end of the year, Hameen Media Group is offering special rates as we continue our exponential growth. As we expect to hit 3 million downloads in the first half of 2021, giving you the absolute best value for you to advertise your company, brand, product, service, or podcast. We encourage you to reach out at HameenMediaGroup at gmail.com and ask us how we can give the Hameen Media Bump to you.